This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everyone, to Talking It Out with Bastard Nation. We have an amazing show for you today. We're talking all things mental health, and we have the TikTok doc himself, Dr. Amen, with us today. Mike, I am very excited to talk to him. This man is fascinating, amazing. He's done some incredible work in his career. No, he definitely has. There's so many. I mean, I spent the entire last week uh, perusing through his book, going through all of his TikToks, uh, seeing Hannah Brown on his TikToks. Uh, yeah. There's so many questions that I have for him and I just want to learn and just, you know, be a vessel. Yeah, man, I think he has uh, his work is is helping so many people just analyzing the brain and with all these scans that he's doing. And uh, damn, I want I want to get my brain scanned. <laughs> I can't wait to do that. But um, anyways, man, we get, you know how we do first. We got to get to our hot take. So, Mike, I'm going to kick it to you so you can start us off. Brian, so my hot take for the day, man. You know, at times, some people may come to us um, in private and yeah. tell us how they're feeling when it comes to mental health, uh, if they are having suicidal ideations or if they are just dealing with deep depression at the time. My hot take, my question I want to ask you is, do you feel that you should – like not tell nobody else if someone comes to you? Or do you feel that you should refer that information to a specialist so that someone they can get help? Wow, it's deep, man. Um, honestly, again, you know how I always do. I always ask about context. Um, I think having a conversation, like if it's your friend, right? I think having a conversation and trying to help that person yourself is okay, you know what I mean? Just feeling out the person, hearing them out, you know, because sometimes that may be all that they need, right? I've had friends come to me like, hey man, I need to talk, like they text me and you know, I have a busy day, I don't get to call them till hours later, but then I call them and it's like, so happy you called, you know, they get, you know, they vent, they, they get everything out and they're cool, you know what I'm saying? So I think it all depends on, you gotta be a good listener and you gotta be able to you know, basically figure out what they're what they're telling you, right? Decipher if it gets, how, how far yeah, in they are. Exactly. That's a great word. Decipher, you know, if this just hey, he's a little bit down, just gotta cheer him up a little bit and he's good, or is this something where, hey, I don't like the way he's talking right now. He's you know, using certain language that I'm not a mental health professional, I'm not ready to deal with. So I would either suggest that they talk to somebody you know, that's something else you could do is is bring that up to them. Like, hey, man, you know, this is, you know, I think you need a little more help. I think you need to talk to somebody that's a professional to work these things out and work through these things. Um, and then if it got to the point where it's like they just weren't 
listening or they were just going down in a farther and deeper hole, then I would definitely tell somebody because at the end of the day, you know, what happens if your friend or, you know, your loved one does something to themselves and it's like, I could have said something, I could have told somebody, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's a situation where I think every case is different. I just think you've got to decipher for yourself and, and just err on the side of caution and make the smart move if necessary, if that makes sense. No, every, every case is different. I like that you said that. Uh, because at times, I remember when I was in the military, they would teach us the signs of when someone is depressed, yeah. you know, when someone is having suicidal thoughts, and that's not always the case. It, you know, it really isn't. Correct, yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes people start to distance themselves. Sometimes people start to give away all their worldly possessions uh, and make plans, right? Uh, and other times, you will just never know. Like, they won't come to you at all. You can have conversations about it just as friends, um, talking about mental health within other people, and you just won't know. And so I agree with you that it's different for everybody. I would say, I would agree with you. You know, um, there's a point in time to where I feel that you do seek outside help, you know, and just say, hey, I set up a meeting with you with Dr. Hoo Hoo, or whatever the case may be, uh, I think that you definitely should go, versus saying, Hey, I'm just going to listen to you myself and see if there's yeah. something that you just want someone to talk to you. Uh, but it's just, uh, it's so hard, uh, this conversation, this topic, because we do talk about mental health more, not just us on our podcast, but just in the society in general. And I think that people are getting hip to mental health, which is a beautiful thing, uh, knowing that it's important. But then also there's like an inverse reaction to that, which is, that person may just become more quiet and yeah. withhold that information, right? Um, because our ego will allow us to talk about those different things. And so with mental health being talked about more, sometimes it may make a person just withdraw more. Do you feel like say, it's hey. like, it may be like a betrayal on you as a friend or a loved one to like go behind their back essentially and, and, and contact a professional for them? Um, I don't care. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you want me to be honest with you, I don't care. Um, but then that's the other token, right? Which is, you know, you want to be respectful to this individual. Yeah. Are you, it's a, it's is there line. an aspect, yeah. is there an aspect of you being selfish? You as a friend that goes and tells someone, right? Yeah. And so these are questions that I want to ask Dr. Amin yeah. because we just don't know. Yeah, and I feel like at the end of the day, it's like, I don't care how mad you are at me, if I save your life or I help save your exactly. life and get you to the person that's actually gonna turn your life around, then it is what it is. Like, I'd rather you, you not be friends with me anymore. I don't care as long as I like get you to a better place in your life so that you could, you know, live on and live out your dreams. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is. That's what, that's what it's all about. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want anybody to go, you know, earlier than they have to, you know, over, over mental health for sure. Definitely so. That's why I agree with you. I just, I, I don't care if I lose them as a friend, I know that they're they're happier. Yeah, right. And at the, and at the end of the day, they're gonna they're probably gonna come around and be like, "Yo, you saved me." You know what I mean? Like, if it wasn't yeah. for you, you know, I would have never have gone to this uh, better place in my life. And I think that's the thing about like when you have love for someone. Yeah. At the end of the day, you want to do what's best for them. Yeah. Not what's best for yourself. You gotta do what's best for them. And so, if they get mad at you and don't want to be your friend no more because you help get them help yeah oh well 
Yeah. <laughs> you're happier, you know. It's gonna help it you is, in man. your life. Yeah, exactly. Um, and on my hot take, man, I wanted to actually ask you, because obviously we're talking about mental health and you know, everything that comes with it. And of course, social media, ever since the inception of social media, mental health, I think has taken a huge decline. Am I right? I mean, especially now with you know, everything that happened with during COVID, you know, we were isolated more and more Absolutely. and we were stuck to our phones. Um, how do you think that social media has had an impact on uh, mental health? So many pieces to it. Uh, first, I think that for those that are creators on social media, I'll, I'll speak from the creator aspect and then the, the ones that just use social media, right? And like just watch social media. So from the creator's aspect, they're always having to be on. You know, we had Clayton on um, last week. He was saying that he was saying in a funny way. He has to bring hairspray with him when he goes to the gym. Yeah. Because someone's going to want a picture with him, right? You know, you, you just always have to be on yeah. when it comes to social media. You know, you always have to be doing the next thing. You always got to be continuing more and more and more and more and more. I think we're living in a society of, I want more and I want it now. Excess, yep. And so that takes a toll on people, right? And then the other side of social media, the person who consumes it and just, you know, watches what everyone else does on social media, it's negatively affecting us as in, I need to look like this, or I should be doing this with my life. Or this person's 18 years old and they're freaking a billionaire, right? Or this person's seven years old and they are Olympic gold medalists, right? There's always somebody that's doing something different. And so now we see all these things, we're like, damn, what am I doing with my life? Exactly. When the beauty of life is just to live it. Exactly, and I, I was actually doing some research on this and I found a great video that talked about the stressors. There's, there's certain stressors of social media and you actually just harped on one of them, which is the comparison game, right? Yeah. Social media, social media is essentially everybody's highlight reel, right? Like you only put the latest and greatest and the best pictures when you look the best and like the fire trips and the restaurants and the great food that you're eating. You know what I'm saying? And behind the scenes, like, the person at home or sitting at home is like comparing their behind the scenes to your highlight reel. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So it's like, and it's so, it's so subconscious when we do it too. Yeah. And before it was, you know, TV and magazines and that's the way we compare ourselves. So now it's in front of our face 24 seven, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So that's why it's become just so it's out of control. And you know, the, the, that leads to the, the second stressor, which is what they call what I, I don't even know these terms, but they call it social currency, right? So the same way that we attach value to a good or service, we're now attaching value to likes, comments, uh, you know, views, right? And, you know, I mean, you see it in like all the ads that you get hit up with every single day, right? It's in marketing, yeah. they call it the economy of the, uh, the economy of attention, right? Everyone is competing for our attention nowadays. Everyone. And the problem is that on social media, we are the product, you know what I'm saying? And we let others attribute value to us. And essentially what that's doing is that's like changing our sense of identity and we're tying what people think about us, you know, and we're attributing, that's, that's our self-worth. We're living to make someone else happy. Yeah. We're yeah, like, we're literally living and uploading and posting on social to get someone else's reaction. 
Yeah. And we're obsessed with it. Like, like it's like something that we need. It's like you get more and more likes. You're like, oh, damn, this picture did good. You know what I mean, it gives you that yeah. good feeling or more views. You, you know, uh, I'm here in Columbia right now with my homeboy. And we talked a little bit about social. And he was like, you should post that picture, right? And the first thing I said was, oh, that's not going to get no, uh, that's not going to get any likes. Like, that's the first thought you had. That's, that's my incredible. very first thought. I said, that's not going to get any likes. I remember I was talking to a, a very well-known person in Bachelor Nation. And him and I were, you know, talking about social media. And he was like, Mike, you just got to take your shirt off more. He was like, that's what people want to see. Just take your shirt off more. That's and the I'm attention. Like, <laughs> that's I'm, the yeah, attention, the attention. I'm trying to, I'm trying to fight back because, you know, in our position, one of the ways that we make money is off of ads on our social, right? And I hate, I hate this. I told my agent, I don't even want to look at the numbers uh, because I know, and I'm sure you do the same. We know which posts are going to get more, more engagement, right? We know which posts are going to get more likes. You and I have spoken about it. Yeah. You and I literally have spoken about it. Just take your shirt off. You know, you'll get more likes, right? And it's like we live in this. People say one thing, but they they react to another thing, right? We say that we're not. Uh, we don't care about what you look like, X, Y, Z. But then we you really do. Nation, <laughs> yeah. We literally know if I take my shirt off, it's going to get way more engagement. It's just a fact yeah. in the way it is, right? And that that starts to eat at you as well. And then you try to fight against it. I think I've been doing a good job of not giving a damn. It's just I'm going to be honest and say what's on my mind or, or whatever post what I feel like. But also, we're losing out on money, right? Yeah. You know? Um, and for those that aren't influencers, I, got, I have my little goddaughter, you know, thinking about X, Y, and Z. If we could post this, if we could post that. She's like, well, can you take this out? And it's like, yo, your your child. How old is she? She's a child. She's what, 22? Five. 22, yeah. No, and it starts early, man. I mean, kids are have phone in their hands at like six, seven years old now. It's it's insane. Yeah, I can I want to know how we like reverse this, right? I think TikTok is trying, but then TikTok also is terrible because it literally feeds you directly what you want yeah. and I put air quotes around want right it feeds yeah. you directly it's just like it's like you're shooting adrenaline in your arm almost with this yeah. social media stuff and it gets addictive and then like obviously there's other stressors the I mean in a sense there's like a, a FOMO right it's like people are curious like they want to be in the loop they want to see all the funny memes and they just want to know about oh man things. I wasn't like at Coachella Right. It's like, damn, I want to see all the, the beautiful pictures of all the all the stuff that went on in Coachella. You know what I mean? And it's you get kind of like that FOMO. So it draws you in even more. Yeah. And then, you know, another stress, obviously, which I think everybody's gone through it, influencer or not, is the online harassment. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's like combining all of those things, you know, the the need to feel validated with the likes and then the the comparison game. And then just the the curiosity and the FOMO that you have, and then throw on top of that the online harassment. And it's it's a you know huge that comparison problem. game, Brian. That yeah. comparison game, and then mix that with the online harassment. The people viewing us, like us as in all of us in the entire world, influencer or not, they also compare. Yeah. If you take your shirt off and post a picture, then I take my shirt off and post a picture, and we're both very happy, right? Two separate pictures. Somebody might say, "Oh, well, you don't look like Brian, or you don't look like Mike." And even the viewer is also comparing, you know, not wow. just a person that's uploading. Yeah. It's like on both sides of the house. Yeah. And they're, you yeah, know what I mean? 
And I feel like they're, you know, a good majority are projecting, right? You know, their their yeah. insecurity on you. But yeah, at the end of the day, man, it's like you're your own person. That's that's what makes this this world amazing, right? Everybody's their unique self. Like I can't look like you. You know what I mean? I can't grow four more inches or three more inches to be six five. You know what I'm saying? Like it is what it is. Like everybody, like everybody just needs, I mean, I know it's a lot easier said than done, but if everybody could just like stay in their lane, be a horse with blinders on and just maximize their potential, you know what I'm saying? And like, try not to worry about, you know, all that outside noise in that comparison game. I know it's tough. I know it's tough, but just, well, I mean, talking about maximizing our potential, that's why we have our guest, Dr. Amen today. Yes. Uh, I want to, Get his thoughts on how we can maximize our potential. Brain potential, so, baby. Brain potential. Let's let's talk it out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dr. A, man, nice to meet you. I've been stalking you for a while now, so it's great to meet you. <laughs> Pleasure to meet Hi, you, Mike. Raymond. Brian, what a joy to be with you both. Appreciate you. So, fam, if you didn't know, Dr. Amen is a 12-time New York Times bestseller with an accomplished career in brain health, but you may know him from his TikTok videos, and I've definitely gotten my, a lot of views on your TikTok videos over the last couple of days. So we just, uh, uh, it's a pleasure to have you here with us today and I, I'm ready to learn. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I know, isn't it crazy? We only started TikTok 15 months ago and we already have over a million followers. But you're, you're going viral, Doc. <laughs> well, you said that you wanted to make the brain cool again. I think you're doing just that. Well, and I'm grateful for your help because that's the goal for people to fall in love with their brains. I hate the term mental illness. It shames people, it's stigmatizing, it's wrong. They're brain health issues. Get your brain right and everything else is better. Everything else falls in place. So much easier said than done, I feel like. Um, well, we have the wrong paradigm. That's why it's hard. Um, we fall in love with things that hurt our brains and, and we just have like no concept about it. We have a high school course where we teach teenagers to love and care for their brains. And once they understand it, it's, it's not hard. It comes down to this one three second question. Is this good for my brain or bad for it? And if you can answer that with information and love, you just start doing the right things because you care about yourself. Dr. Amen, can you talk about that a little more? Like, is this good for my brain? So what what aspects of our life are we asking ourselves that, those questions? Like, I imagine you discuss a lot about food, right? Is this good for my brain? Activities, like what other things? And can you break down each of those uh, instances as far as what why we should be asking that question, which realm? So I actually did a, uh, when my daughter was in second grade, I went to her class 
And I wrote 20 things on the board. And I'm like, separate these for me. Good for your brain or bad for it. So boxing, um, orange juice, football, soccer, table tennis, uh, alcohol, marijuana, nicotine. And they got everything right except one, Hmm. orange juice, which they Uh. put in the healthy category. And so many parents think that's healthy. But when is it rational to eat the sugar from five oranges without any of the fiber? It's not it's not good for your brain. And and so really, it's everything from the amount of screen time I have to how much sleep I get to whether or not I believe every stupid thing I think. Um, If you can just get that one question right and. Most people just never think about it. Like when they take a shower, are the products you're putting on your body good for your brain or bad for it? And for 50 years, I did bad things because I just didn't know that Barbasol, you know, when I shave on a scale of one to 10, one is good, 10 is bad, is a nine. Um, Because no one ever taught me to read product labels on is this good for my body because you know if it's good for your if it's not good for your body it's not good for your brain because your body takes your brain wherever it goes and that's why heart health gut health liver health um they're good for your brain or not you you mentioned um the food aspect and I didn't know oranges was bad for you when you just said it, you made it sound so simple. I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense when you said it like that. Um, what are, so for the, for the everyday parent out there that you know, has their child, they wanna ask that question, what is good for my child's brain when it comes to food, right? We live in this fast paced world, we feel um, the healthy foods are expensive. So where are some places that you would recommend that someone can go to get healthy fast food items? So they actually did a study at Harvard and eating really healthy is about an extra dollar 25 a day. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, if your brain works better, you're going to make a whole bunch more money. And it's, it's, an, <laughs> it's an investment. Um, fast food's hard because they make it fast by taking out the fiber. And so if, if you just think, you know, you go to a fast food restaurant, they want, um, so they don't have a lot of profit in each meal. So they want to sell a lot of meals. So they basically take the fiber out of food so you can chew it faster and leave faster. So, so that's hard, but you know, I travel a lot and if you can get a salad, that's probably a better choice, although you should be really careful with the dressings. Um, And for children, think exposure equals preference. So what you give them is ultimately what they're going to want. And so many of the baby foods are loaded with sugar. And so we're priming children to be overweight and diabetic by the foods we give them when they're little. And then, you know, of course, we celebrate 
with terrible things. You, you want to just be careful yeah. with what no, you put in your body. And if you think of a plate, if you can get 70% of it, colorful, plant-based foods, 30% high quality protein, always make it mix in healthy fat because 60% of the solid weight of your brain is fat. So avocados, nuts and seeds, healthy oils, uh, healthy fish. We did a study where, you know, people ate grilled or baked fish once a week, um, had more gray matter in their mm -hmm. brain. Um, one of my researchers did that study. I was so proud of them. Um, Doc, I got so many questions based on your answer just now, but I want to go yeah. back. You mentioned certain foods with a lot of sugar. Can you talk about the dangers of excess sugar in our diets? Because, I mean, it is so addictive. I mean, it's been compared to cocaine at times. So can you right. discuss that, please? Well, it works on the pleasure centers of the brain. And corporations know this. They actually hire neuroscientists to make things hit the bliss point in your brain, you know? And like Lay's potato chips when I was growing up, I mean, they were out front with the addictive nature. Bet you can't eat just one. And so what's the perfect crunchiness, aroma, the meltiness uh, to reach that bliss point in your brain? So many foods are actually manufactured to addict you and sugar is pro-inflammatory. So that's a real big problem. I mean, we know after COVID that inflammation is just something that's bad for us. Um, yeah. You said it's addictive and um, there's this fascinating study. So I've done a lot of NFL work and mm -hmm. Um, I did the world's first and largest study on active and retired NFL players. Uh, so playing football is bad for your brain. Just own. Um, why do they have Gatorade on the sidelines? Mm. So at UCLA, they did this study where they gave rats a head injury, whacked them in the head, and then they watched them recover. And half the rats got their healthy, regular diet. And within three weeks, they're running the mazes that they already knew how to do. The other group of rats got their healthy diet plus fructose, which uh, we already mentioned orange juice, but it's fruit sugar. Um, they're still confused at three weeks because sugar delays healing. So why is Gatorade on the sidewalk. It's like, sugar. how does yeah. that make sense, right? Yeah. Artificial dyes and sugar. Um, artificial dyes by themselves can be problematic. But if, but if we just ask that question, this is good for my brain or my child's brain or bad for it. I mean, one, they wouldn't be playing football. Um, more likely <laughs> they'd be playing tennis or table tennis or non-contact. Non <laughs> well, I mean, right. you wouldn't even, as a parent, you wouldn't even think that um, for your child because Gatorade, we know is bad now, but I don't, when I played football growing up and we were just handed Gatorade from our coaches, you know, the coach wants you at your, your peak, right? And so when they give it to you, it's almost like this is coming from a trusted source. And then uh, I was watching your TikToks about the hot Cheetos and we know you love hot Cheetos, right? Flaming hot hot Cheetos. <laughs> 
it's almost like this is handed down to us. This has been approved from the FDA. So what do I what do I trust? What do I not trust? And then you could tell us to do all of our own research. But it, it just seems like if other countries are banning certain foods, why don't we ban those same certain foods? Money. I think the answer is money. <laughs> and who who has the lobby? Right. Who's got the politicians and the FDA officials in their pocket? And it, we we wouldn't want to think that, right? As a physician, I wouldn't want to think that. But but do I think the FDA has our best interest? Absolutely not. They have businesses' best interest. And who's the big winner from the pandemic? Um, mental health challenges, brain health challenges have skyrocketed. And the incidence of psychiatric drug prescriptions has gone to a level we have never seen before. Um, before the pandemic, 23% of women between the ages of 20 and 60 were on antidepressant medication. Wow. I bet now it's getting close to 40%. And it's just insane what's happened. Just touching on a topic that we were actually talking about before you came on, um, you know, with COVID, you said since the pandemic, obviously we've been isolated. We were in quarantine, more eyes on social media. How do you, what do you, how much do you attribute social media to the cause of this uh, depression and, and uh, mental illness? Well, social media was out of control before that happened. I, I think it's the fear and group think um, and COVID. I have before and after COVID scans. So I have 10 clinics around the country and we do imaging, right? So I'm just troublemaker all around. I'm like, well, shouldn't psychiatrists actually look at the brain before you go about drugging it? And we've seen COVID have a negative impact on brain function. So if 140 million Americans have had COVID, I think that's the number, um, there's a dramatic increase in your emotional brain, the activity in your emotional brain, inflammation. And so that is contributing to the problem. And then on top of it, um, I was just on a flight last week. The first day you didn't have to wear a mask. And it was so pleasant to actually see people's faces. Do you remember before, at least when I was growing up, if you were masked, you were dangerous, um, yeah. right? You were going to rob somebody. And, you know, to be living in that disconnected fear state. And then think about children whose brains are wildly developing during a time of fear and separation and disconnection, you begin to see, I always think of people in four circles, there's the biological cause of the increase in mental health challenges, like COVID causes inflammation. There's the psychological cause, beaded negativity repeatedly. There's the social causes, the disconnection. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but families hated each other more than ever before. 
You're vaxxed, you're not vaxxed, you're blue, you're red. Uh, I've never seen this level of familial disconnection. It's just horrifying, bad for all of us. And, And the spiritual disconnection, the spiritual, I always talk to my patients about, so why are you on the planet? You know, what is your sense of meaning and purpose? Because purposeful people live longer. Purposeful people are happier. That's a gem right there. Purposeful people live longer. Purposeful, I love that gem right there. So during COVID, I, I can you mentioned it and I can attribute to it as well. Like a part of our mental health declining during that time was not going outside, not being around other human beings. Um, what would you have suggested you were put in charge if the administration and the presidency had asked you to you know make sure that COVID is safe but then also to to ensure that our mental health is at a high what are things that you can recommend so i would have gone more along the lines of what sweden did i would have protected the vulnerable you didn't hear one thing from the government about we need to get healthy as a society so The United States has 4% of the world's population, 16% of the world's COVID deaths. Why is that with our medical system? Um, It's because we fail. We just got an F. The, The fear, the isolation, the lack of being able to prescribe early treatment early on. Don't hide in the house, go outside, go to the park, get exercise. Because one of the things we knew is vitamin D deficiency causes increased mortality from COVID. It kills more people if you're low in vitamin D. As a society, we're low in vitamin D. And if you're African-American and you have darker skin, you need five times the amount of sun to get a healthy vitamin D level is someone from Europe. And we know um, that minority communities had a much higher death rate. This is totally unfair. And and no education on getting healthy, right? 72% of Americans are overweight. 42% of us That's are obese. Staggering. Yeah. It's was awful. It- and wasn't it uh, a high percentage of the individuals that did perish in hospitals and were on ventilators? They were a majority of them were obese or overweight or had multiple uh, health conditions. Absolutely. And, and I think those were the people to protect. I'm doing a brand new series on Instagram called If I Was an Evil Ruler. And I wanted to create mental illness. What would I do? And I actually wrote mm. 62 strategies with my book, The End of Mental Illness. It came out in 2019. So, so I've been thinking about this for a long time. But the evil ruler won during this pandemic, and it hurt a lot of people. Doc, I have a question in regards to the children and COVID, but then also just technology in general, uh, making us more antisocial. How do you feel that next 20 years this is going to affect us affect the youth right now that are going to be like my age uh, and then also just with technology making us more uh, distance from people and just on our phones and things of that nature so uh, what what we just went through is going to 
impact us for 20 yeah. years, at least. And if it impacts you, ultimately it changes your genes. There's this area of genetics called epigenetics. And if it's impacting you, it's going to impact your children and even your grandchildren. So, um, so this is a big deal for a long time. Screen time, I mean, unfortunately, it's here to stay. And obviously, I'm using it to get the message of my life out. But we have to be careful. There's, I have a brand new book out called You Happier about um, the science of happiness, the neuroscience. And you have these two areas deep in your brain called the nucleus accumbens. And just think about them as like the little pleasure buttons in your brain. And if you press on them too hard and too often, you wear them out. And pretty soon, you need more and more excitement in order to feel anything at all. And our devices, again, I would argue they were created to be addictive because they want brain time. You know, how much, like, if you go in a grocery store, the bottom two shelves um, are for children because they beg and parents give in. And food companies are going for stomach share. The social media companies are going for mind share. And, you know, they hook you and then make money for their advertisers. And how do they do that? They scare you or they make you feel less than, so you have to buy this person's product. You mentioned athletes earlier, NFL players. I know that my future son won't play football thanks to you. <laughs> um, celebrities and reality TV stars to include like our own bachelorette, Hannah Brown. Do you feel that there's a correlation between the brain and being on TV or watching TV? Well, Hannah is part of our Scan My Brain series. I, I adore her. You know, fame clearly damages the brain because we talked about the nucleus accumbens and when people recognize you and you're doing really cool things, well, that's producing a lot of dopamine. And if you're not careful, it'll wear out your pleasure centers and then you get, you feel off, you feel sad. And then many of my young stars start to medicate themselves with alcohol or marijuana or other drugs. I'm in Justin Bieber's docuseries Seasons and he clearly, I mean, they just did every wrong thing for that boy's career. And he ended up in a lot of trouble and it almost cost him his life. And I remember he came into my office one day and he said, I think what I get what you're trying to tell me my brain is an organ like my heart is an organ and my brain creates my mind so if you told me i had heart problems i'd do everything you said so i'm going to do what you say and then he's been the most stable he's he's ever been and we, we it's it's the message you have to love and care for your brain and when you have these great things happen to you, you have to be really careful to not damage your brain further because it can have a negative impact. 
And Doc, so you just talked about Justin Bieber. You, you know, you talked about the brain being an organ, like the heart. You got to work it out. You got to train it. So can you talk about a brain routine that people out there can use in order to gain a healthier brain? Well, so the, the first thing, I'll just tell you my routine. And it's what I recommend people do. I actually today started last night. So I focus on eight hours of sleep. I'm really busy, but I'm like, okay, it's 10 o'clock. I'm going to bed. Um, and um, I put, put blue light blockers on any gadgets that I would use after Sunday. And so I have blue light blockers. When I go to bed, I have a routine. I say a prayer and then I go, what went well today? So I am putting myself to sleep, reviewing my day from a positive standpoint. What went well today? And I love looking for the micro moments of happiness. What's the smallest thing that happened today that made me happy? Because it sets your dreams up to be more positive. And then as soon as my feet hit the floor in the morning, I go, today's going to be a great day. Why? Because I wanna look forward to something and your brain makes happen what it sees. And so I training my brain. So many people wake up in fear because from an evolutionary standpoint, we were evolve to pay attention to what could kill us, what could eat us. And those people woke up in fear actually lived longer, but we don't need that now anymore. That's a remnant of our past. Mm -hmm. And then um, I start the morning generally, I do intermittent fasting. So if I stopped eating at six, I won't eat again until 10. And I start every day with this shake uh with protein shake with a cup of strawberries or blueberries because polyphenols are good for your brain protein's good for your brain i put in some healthy fat take my supplements um and then i'm off to the day and every day every decision is this good for my brain or bad for it and i'm 67 and i just got some immune system tests and my immune system was 20 years younger than i am so every day I'm either getting old or getting younger by the decisions that I make. And then I have two huddles in the morning with my team. I'm always doing it while I'm walking or on a bike, uh, you, you know, to just sit on Zoom hour after hour. Well, that'll shrink your brain. Um, so I do my huddle and that means 45 minutes I have gotten uh, some aerobic exercise two or three times a week. I lift weights. Um, and then I notice what I like about the people in my life more than what I don't, because if I give away happiness, I'm happier, especially with my wife who I adore, but I know I can make her unhappy by saying something stupid or not paying attention. And I'm going to be a lot more stressed if that happens. Very true. Can you dive into that more? Because I saw when I was reviewing you, you'd speak about that. Just paying attention to the good in someone else. Because if we pay attention to the negative, we're going to make that person not happy, right? We're um, going to get more negative. Correct. So, actually, behind me, I have two penguins. 
and I collect penguins. And the reason I do many years ago, um, I, I adopted my oldest and he was hard for me and ended up taking him to a place called Sea Life Park, uh, which is a sea animal uh, park in Hawaii. And they had a dolphin show and that was awesome and a whale show and that was cool. But at the end of the day, I took him to see Fat Freddy who was this really cool chubby penguin. And the penguin did all these amazing things and jumped through a hoop of fire, bowled with his nose, counted with his flippers. Um, and at the end of the show, the trainer asked Freddie to go get something and he went and got it and he brought it right back. And in my mind, I went, whoa, I asked this kid to get something for me and he wants to have a discussion for like 20 minutes and then he doesn't want to do it. And I knew my son was smarter than the penguin. So I went up to the trainer afterwards and I'm like, how'd you get Freddie to do all these really cool things? And she looked at my son and then she looked at me and she said, unlike parents, whenever Freddie does anything like what I want him to do, I notice him. I give him a hug and I give him a fish. And even though the light went on in my head, my son didn't like raw fish. My daughter actually does. So it worked totally great with her. Um, that when he did the things I asked him, wanted him to do, I didn't pay any attention to him because I was busy. I was sort of like my dad. But when he didn't do what I wanted him to do, I gave him a ton of attention. And I realized I was reinforcing the wrong behaviors. So I collect penguins mm -hmm. as a way to remind myself, notice what you like about other people more than what you don't because that's how you shape the behaviors in others now i mean you need to be assertive and if something's not right you need to talk about it but there are ways to say things and there are ways to say things so being thoughtful intentional i know my goals i mean they're really burned into my brain and so with my wife, I want a kind, caring, loving, supportive, passionate relationship. I always want that. I don't always feel like that. So rather than acting out of my feelings, I'm like, okay, what's the goal? Kind, caring, loving, supportive, passionate relationship. It changes every decision I make. It just, it fine tunes how I show up with the people I care about. I love that. That's amazing. amazing. Uh, being that this is uh, a, a part relationship podcast, and we were just speaking about that a little bit. What is your biggest piece of advice, uh, you know, when someone's in a difficult place in their relationship, specifically when it comes to having different libidos? Say that again. What is your biggest piece of advice when it comes to those in relationships that have different libidos? Um, get assessed. I think that's so important because the problem for so many couples, and you know, often when you fall in love, you're at a certain hormonal level. And then over time that changes and there are things that change it. So it could be testosterone levels are not balanced. I mean, you know, guys have 10 times the testosterone that you know, most females have, but if someone has a low libido, I'm like, what's their testosterone level? And we have a crisis in America of 
young men with low testosterone levels. And I think it's the products, the hormone disruptors we put on little boys' bodies. Uh, I think it's the head trauma from football. Um, I, I can't tell you the number of my NFL players who have low testosterone levels. I NFL mean, and you players. wouldn't think that wow. at all, right? I mean, they're monsters. And, um, but I think getting assessed for hormone levels, toxins, and then emotional trauma. Because if there's any sexual um, emotional trauma, that can really mess with someone's libido. But if you don't look, you don't know. Have a look, you don't know. And Doc, you have so much experience in looking at these scans of, of people. Like how important is it for people out there to know their brain type? Because I know you talk a lot about that in your book. Yes. Well, it really just helps inform what makes you happy and how you tick and how well you get along with other people. Uh, the imaging, you know, I've been doing it for 30 years now. We have over 200,000 scans. And when I met my wife 16 and a half years ago, I really liked her. I still like her. Um, but I'm like, you haven't seen the clinic. Don't you want to come to the clinic? Because <laughs> there's no way I was falling in love with her until I saw her brain. And, uh, <laughs> I got to know what's so under the hood. Coming from you. <laughs> and, and if you date any of my children, you get scammed. You know, I mean, I, I wait for like four or five months to see if you're going to actually stick around. But I just want to know what your brain is. And even if it's not good, if you're smart enough to fix it, well, then I'm sort of a fan. If you're not smart enough to fix it, I'm not going to the wedding. So can you can you take us through that? Like <laughs> random person off the street. I want to get my brain analyzed. Like, what are you looking at? Like, what is the whole process like? Like, can you talk a little bit about that? So SPAC, that's a study we do, looks at yes. blood flow and activity. It looks at how the brain works. And it basically shows us three things. Good activity, too little or too much. And then my job is to balance it. So I can tell generally if you're male or female, how old your brain is, how healthy it is when I look at a scan. And the thing I love is it creates this concept I call uh, brain envy. So I always say Freud was wrong. Penis envy is not the cause of anybody's problem. I haven't seen it once in 40 years. It's brain envy. You want to like love your brain. So I'm doing this series on Instagram and we post a lot on TikTok about it called Scan My Brain. And I, one of our participants was Troy Gloss, the third baseman for the Angels. Uh, he was the 2002 World Series MVP. He's six five. I adore him. His brain was awful when I first saw it. He's drinking. Too much and he talks about it on the show and he had four concussions and he was sort of a mess and he got brain envy did everything i asked him to do and two months later his brain's dramatically better and when he saw that it was better he was like all in it's like i'm gonna work to get a healthy brain because it's less stress on his family 
if he doesn't have a healthy brain, right? That sort of makes sense. And he's going to be able to make his brain healthier and younger. And that's the exciting big message of my life. You're not stuck with the brain you have. You could make it better. But if you don't look, how would you ever know, right? It's easy to call someone bad. It's easy to call someone cold or heartless or angry. You know, we're all sort of watching this craziness with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And I'm like, I would dearly love their brains because this is just not reasonable behavior. Or can you imagine, you know, Will Smith's brain? And uh, I often will write, a blog called brain in the news it's like so what's going on in the news that has to relate to the brain <laughs> virtually everything yeah definitely so uh last question for you what is your advice for having a healthy and happy brain and where do our listeners where do brian and i go to even get started with that well uh my tiktok channel we talk about it all the time my new book you happier um can you give I us mean, your handle you for TikTok? Um, at Doc Amen, D-O-C-A-M-E-N. And uh, yeah, it's so much fun. The haters come out whenever I talk about marijuana and alcohol. <laughs> um, but but it's, it's a great discussion. And, you know, where you really start, and I think knowing your brain type, you can go to brainhealthassessment.com dot com brain health assessment so know which of the 16 types you have how healthy your brain is based on your habits and uh, it'll just be the beginning of a great relationship you want to have with your brain just you know one thought in closing and i don't know if either of you've ever been in a bad relationship but but i've been in bad relationships and i'm not doing it anymore and i'm for certain not doing it with food So when it comes to food, only love food that loves you back. And so if this discussion helps further people developing a relationship with their brain, then I'm just eternally grateful and we will have been successful. And one last thing, Doc, I'm I'm just fascinated by all this, but you mentioned the food that loves you back. Are there... I've heard a lot and I've taken uh, nootropics before in the past and I think they're very beneficial for me at least. Do you recommend any supplements on top of that food that loves you back that can enhance brain health that's pretty much natural? I I do. In fact, you know, full disclosure, I own BrainMD. I started it, our supplement company. And why? Because when I started looking at the brain, I realized some of the medications I was prescribing were toxic to brain function, like benzos are not good for your brain. They've actually been shown to increase the risk of dementia. So, you know, Xanax and Valium and Klonopin and all that stuff. And so I'm like, well, I have to have something to help my patients. And my, I think everybody should take a multiple vitamin. Everybody should take high quality uh, omega-3 fatty acid supplements. So either fish oil or algae-based omega-3s. Everybody should know their vitamin D level and optimize it. Probably almost everybody should take a probiotic. If you want to be happier, 
saffron, 24 randomized controlled trials showing it is as effective to boost your mood as antidepressant medication. Wow. And uh, so I'm a huge fan of nourishing your brain, both food and targeted supplements. Do you, uh, we have to let you go. We have to let you go. No. Do you <laughs> scan brains of people that have uh, passed on from died by suicide? I have. Um, so, you know, with our database, we follow our patients. We do an outcome study and We've later learned some people have passed on. Um, they have low frontal lobe function, especially in the underside. And so using AI, hopefully we'll have a better predictive model. But I have a sense if I see a scan that's really hurt, that we have to be more protective of that patient. Okay. Why do you ask, Mike? Um, I just have friends in my life that have uh, died by suicide, that's all. And you know, the biggest risk, it's actually not unusual to have a thought, oh, I wish I wasn't here when you're having a really bad time. Um, but half the people who kill themselves do it when they're either on drugs or intoxicated with alcohol. It's like people have that thought and then they take the break off of their brain. So the front part of your brain stops you from saying stupid things, doing stupid things, and um, it helps you see the future. And what I tell my suicidal patients, I say, if you have a child and you kill yourself, you've just increased the risk of your child killing themselves mm. 300%. You sort of have to shake them out of uh, the tunnel they're in. Cause when people get depressed, they're like in a tunnel, with no windows, no doors, and they don't see other people. They go, oh, well he or she would be better off without me. And I'm like, no, no, no. That is teaching them. This is how grownups solve problems. And I often say suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary feeling. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. that. Appreciate your time today. Definitely would love to have a part two with you. For yeah, sure. I have so many more <laughs> so questions. More questions. <laughs> well, I would love that. You guys are awesome. I appreciate uh, you, you for are. coming on, Doc. I'm gonna have to stop by your office and make sure I bring you a pink one as well. Yeah, can you <laughs> can you just mention one more time where people can come see you and also you know do a test online? So uh, to learn your brain type, brain health assessment. Dot com, uh, Amen Clinic. So Amen, like the last word in a prayer. Clinics.com. They can learn about our. Um, we have ten clinics around the country, um, and they can pick up a copy of my new book, You Happier. I recommend everyone pick up a copy of You Happier yes. by Doctor Amen. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here today on Talking It Out. Really appreciate you. Appreciate you, Doc. Thank you. Thanks so much. Right. I don't even think we need to have a. A specific time period to drop a gym because that entire episode today was Dr. Amen dropping gyms left and right. Yeah, man. I mean, it was just so fascinating. And I think, I mean, brain health is just so underestimated. And we, 
like I love what he he does with his patients. He basically just tells them, is this to ask themselves, is this good for my brain? And if you yes. take that question and ask it in every single facet of your life, you know, what you put in your stomach, right? Your food intake, you know, your drink, alcohol consumption, drugs, whatever the case may be. I mean, you could be so much healthier brain wise if, you know, you just ask yourself that question, I feel like. Oh, definitely. I like when he said, uh, you don't want to make a permanent decision for a temporary feeling. Yes, that was powerful. Uh, that was powerful. Then just, I mean, everything that Dr. Amen said was extremely powerful. And uh, I, I will take this conversation and run with it for the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I just want to have, have children, them on. a relationship, everything. And I want to have them on more. I mean, I didn't even get like, I want to talk about more about the food, the, the food intake, like what's the best food everything. for brain everything. health, more supplements, like, because at the end of the day, like I just want to function at my best, best right? Yeah. And absolutely. especially, I want to be focused. I want to be. I want to concentrate with whatever I'm doing at at, at the to the utmost. So, we got to have them back on. <laughs> we we have to. I'm 100 yeah. percent down with that. And I think next time we got to bring with penguin. Sure. Yes, absolutely. That's his uh, lucky charm right there. But uh, to everybody that listened to this episode, I hope you got amazing value from it, and we just want to thank you for tuning in. Oh, definitely. So. Um, thank you guys so much. Uh, we talked a lot about mental health here today, so we want to remind you, if you or someone that you know is struggling, please reach out. There is help. You can only utilize the SAMHSA National Helpline to get started. And let us know what you think about today's conversation. We really want to know. We'd love to hear your opinions, your stories, your insights. So please don't forget to like, follow, comment. Message us on social at Talking About BN. And baby, you already know, don't DM me no more until you hit the subscribe. We love y'all.